Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to welcome back to the show, Eric Zimmer. He is the host of the One You Feed podcast. So glad to have him back. Last time he was on the show, we talked all about mindfulness and meditation and just gaining momentum. This was about late 2019, so it's been two to two and a half plus years now. That was just prior to the pandemic. Well, all of those practices, mindfulness and meditation, etc., definitely have come into play in the last few years here. But what's great is he is back to talk about spiritual habits. And before you check out and say, I'm not spiritual, I'm not religious, etc., that's exactly what we start talking about is we differentiate between what is spiritual, what is religious. In fact, we even break down the word religion. To my surprise, I didn't think that I would be bringing that up, but it's actually pretty cool. But we talk about the principles behind making habits out of spiritual practices and the benefits that those spiritual practices will have for you. And you may be thinking, well, I don't do any spiritual practices, but you do, or you're at least aware of some of them in terms of journaling and meditation. And there are others, but those are some of the ones that, again, probably jump out at you as maybe ones that you'd be familiar with in the realm of productivity. So if you want to deepen your spiritual grounding, awareness, etc., I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation that I had with Eric Zimmer I know that for me personally, this is a place where I am at right now in terms of establishing and then deepening spiritual practices in my own life. So I would encourage you to jump in and I'll get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Eric Zimmer. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back Eric Zimmer to the show. Welcome back, Eric. 
Thank you, Eric. I am uh, happy to be here. I always love a chance to talk with you. Yeah, same here. So, and that's funny because last time you were on, we talked all about your podcast. We talked about what you've been doing. We talked about mindfulness. We talked about meditation, getting momentum. And I think we're going to touch on those things a little bit here as well. But I want to start off and say, I don't want to assume anybody's heard that episode. And so I want to give a quick summary of, okay, you're Eric Zimmer, you're a behavior coach, you have a podcast called The One You Feed, and let's start there. So what was your journey to becoming a behavior coach? And then let's talk about what the podcast, The One You Feed, is. Yeah, well, the journey to become, you know, what I am today, like anyone, it could be either a nine hour story or a two minute story. I'm going to go with the two minute version. You know, essentially, some of the defining moments for me were heroin addict, homeless at the age of 24, looking at going to jail for a long time, getting sober at that point, which sort of really launched me into a journey on how do people change? How do I change? How do you make big change? How do you sustain change? So it was a very personal question for me for a long time. But as part of recovery, I recovered in 12-step programs. There was a lot of time spent helping other people. You know, we talk about sponsorship in those programs. So I sponsored people for years and years and years. At the same time, I had a career in the software industry, largely software startup companies. Then I went on and I founded a solar energy company and that solar energy company failed. And at that point, I was sort of like, well, what, what do I do now? I mean, I had work. I was doing software work again. I was doing fine, but I was kind of bored. And that's where I started the podcast. So I started the podcast, the one you feed, and I'll explain what it is in a minute. But we talk about, you know, how do we change? How do we live a good life? And so I was doing that for a while and I started getting people asking me, hey, do you, know, do you ever do coaching work? And I went, like, well, no, I don't really. But I got the question off enough and I thought, well, why do I keep saying no? And I thought, well, why not, why not try this? So I tried it and, you know, within like 15 minutes, I went, oh, wait a second. I've done this countless times because it's a lot like sponsoring somebody in recovery. I've done this hundreds of times for so many people over the years. So it felt natural right away. And so then that led to behavior coaching, which then led to being trained to be an interfaith spiritual director to creating the spiritual habits program that we now have. And that's the two minute version. Awesome. Okay. So then the one you feed, the title obviously alludes to something and the the summary there is pretty simple too as well, right? Yeah, it is not about food. Um, (laughs) Well, maybe about animal food in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, It's based on an old parable. There's two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. You know, which one wins the one that you feed? So it's based on that parable. So I open every episode by asking my guests kind of what that parable means to them. You know, kind of looking at it from from different angles, although on one hand, the thing that makes something a parable is that you immediately hear it and go, oh, yeah, all right, that resonates. So, yeah. And the thing is, is that, you know, and then we got into this, you know, talking about, well, when it comes to productivity, the things that you focus on are the things that you will get done or the things that you spend your time on are the things that you will be about. And that is very much in line with feeding which wolf inside of you. That's right. That's right. Ultimately, I think at its base, the parable is it talks about choice. It says our, you know, our our actions and our thoughts matter. Yes. They matter to what type of life we have. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different places we can go in terms of how you focus on things, deciding which things you're going to focus on and all of that. But I think 
the thing that I really want to jump in here and, and drill down in basically for the rest of our time is, and again, we alluded to this and we talked about it some, one of the spiritual practices, though not always a specifically spiritual practice we talked about last time, which was meditation. And we can dive in on that a little bit here, but I, I want to get a little bit more clarity on you talk about spiritual habits. And mm-hmm. there are some people that when they hear the word spiritual, they start to think woo-woo. They start to think, check your head at the door and go with your emotions <laughs> only. And others who have been burned by maybe certain religious groups in the past, and they don't want to get involved with anything like that. And And I think what you would say is, and I think that a lot of people out there would agree that regardless of which religious and or hyphen spiritual beliefs that you may hold, there are removed from that, though not necessarily specifically and should be removed from that and can be quite helpful. There are spiritual habits that are a best practice to be involved in or practicing, again, regardless of whichever maybe belief system you've held on to or been part of. Yeah, I would agree with everything you said there. The term spiritual is questionable, right? And I've often thought, should I change that? Should I jettison that? Should I call it something like wisdom habits or philosophical habits or, you know, I'm not sure, right? But the basics of the spiritual habits program is, I'm calling them spiritual principles, but they show up in so many different philosophical traditions as well. They're basic things. I think all of us would, if I said them to you, I'll give you an example of one, right? One is about acceptance, right? And putting our attention on the things we can change, not the things we can't change, right? I don't think there's anybody who disagree with that, right? It's a foundational principle, you know, shows up in lots of different places, spirituality, religion, you know, the Stoics talked about it. So it's basic foundational principle, right? And so spiritual habits has some of those in them. But the question that I'm trying to solve in spiritual habits is, okay, we can hear that. We can agree with that. We can be inspired by that. But how do we actually live that way? How do we actually translate what we believe in or what we think is a better way to live into the way we actually live? And so what I'm trying to do is take the sort of things that behavior change science teaches us about how to build a habit like exercising, meditating, you know, practicing your guitar every day, whatever the thing is, and say, how can we apply that to taking wisdom, foundational, practical wisdom and applying it to our life more effectively and more consistently? Mm-hmm. And I think this is the, the thing that maybe makes your approach unique here among many others is you're taking those spiritual principles, and then mixing it in or applying, I should say, behavioral science to come up with the spiritual habits. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Yep, that's what the program does. So I think the thing then that would maybe make sense is maybe to clue us in a little bit on those first two components a bit. You know, in other words, let's let's list off and dive in a little bit here on what spiritual principles you're talking about. And then let's pivot and go over to the behavioral science. Okay. Well, yeah, let's start with spiritual principles because I think this is interesting. And, and your point about spirituality is right. People don't like that term. They tend to have one of two associations. Like you said, one is It's just woo-woo, like I'm, you know, past life regressions and crystal healing and angels, right? Or it's, you know, religion. It's the religion I was grown up in and that was BS and I I hate it, right? 
to me, the word spiritual just connotates connection to what matters most to us. So that's the sense in which I'm using that word. It's about thinking about what matters most to me and how do I connect to that? Mm. And so when you said the word connect and you were using, you know, in terms of spiritual practice as well as spiritual principles, something that I've been kind of thinking about lately that I, I was reminded of, I don't know, about a month ago or so, is I've always thought I like individuals that truly do practice their, quote, religion, but I don't really mm-hmm. love religion per se. Yeah. But I heard yeah. somebody explain the roots of the word religion coming from re to do something again and lig meaning ligament and it's to reconnect. Oh. And I just, I can't get that out of my head as being like, Oh my gosh, people are so afraid of like the word religion or religious, but like that's the true meaning of it. Like reconnection. So yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I've never actually heard that. I have to investigate that a little bit more. Definitely should do that. And if, again, if, if the word religion is a trigger word for you in some way, maybe take a look at it again and look up what I just said. Yep. Yep. I think it, th- there's a lot that's good in uh, religion and spiritual traditions, and there's a lot that's bad. And I think you can say that about anything that humans get involved in, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. Pretty much, you know, you name the thing and, and it's got humans in it and it's got its good and bad qualities to it. But where I landed on spiritual principles as being really important is I mentioned getting sober at the age of 24 from heroin, and I did. And I stayed sober about eight years. And then I went out and I started drinking again and, and, you know, smoking marijuana and doing a couple different things. I never went back to heroin, but the same thing happened. It got bad enough. I didn't end up homeless, but it got bad enough that I had to quit again. And so I went back to AA where I'd gotten sober the first time. And AA is a 12-step program. And 12-step programs talk a lot about God. They say, you know, you need a higher power. You need to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand him. And so those terms are, are difficult. And the first time I came in, this is 1994 in Columbus, Ohio. And in those days, God meant, you know, Christian God, right? That's, that's what it was. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot on the table in a place like that in 1994. So I, I was so desperate. I was so desperate that I went, okay, I'm just going to believe. And I really forced myself to believe in a God that was intervening in my affairs and getting me sober. Well, when I went out and drank again, there were a variety of things that sort of shattered that belief. And so when I came back, I went, well, I can't pretend again. Because what happened was that spiritual system I had set up in order to get sober did get me sober, but it couldn't withstand really difficult life events. It wasn't real to me. And so I went, what can I use as a higher power that actually can sustain me through difficult times? And where I landed was spiritual principles. Where I landed was, you know what? If I live my life according to certain principles, I think that that will help me to get and stay sober and will help me to handle whatever life brings my way. So that's when I really started getting interested in the idea of principle. And so things like kindness and generosity, a principle like acceptance, a spiritual principle like perspective, like realizing that anytime I look at anything, I'm seeing it through filtered lenses. That is always happening. How can I see it slightly less filtered? 
right? How can I adjust my filters? How can I be flexible? So that's where I landed on spiritual principles and why they've been so important to me is they give me something, broadly speaking, that I can aim at and base my life on and ask myself, how am I doing according to these things that I think are really important? So with spiritual habits, I really went through and went, okay, I know what some of mine are, but let me really mine the philosophical traditions. Let me mine the religious traditions and pull out what Huxley called the perennial wisdom. Wisdom that shows up over and over and over and over in lots of different places. The more I see it, the more I tend to say, okay, I think I might trust that. So I, I, I mined seven principles out of there. That's the spiritual principle part of the program. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X dot com to learn more. You know, you said seven. I guess we should just list them off just so that people have an idea of what those principles are. And and what's interesting, and I think anybody who's listened to the show at any length in time will notice, is that a lot of what we've talked about in terms of Work-life balance or self-care or just self-awareness for the sake of not just maintaining yourself, but thriving is going to be found in these. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't think any of these that I'm going to give you, people are going to go, oh, wait, you know, I think they're pretty foundational to what most of us know is the way of living a good life. So the first principle is intention and attention. What matters to me? What's important? If I don't know what that is, I have no chance of living a life that's good. So what? what's my intention? And how do we move off autopilot a little bit more so that we think about as we go through our day, what's important about this? What's important about the meeting I'm going into? What's important about dinner with my family? 
what's important about this visit with my mom? Like bringing intention back into what we do. And then attention, like where our attention is determines the quality of our life. I mean, very foundationally, right? What we're paying attention to determines the quality of our life. So is my attention aligned with my intentions? Is my attention, am I pointing it in a way that supports my intentions? The second principle is compassion, but primarily self-compassion. And the reason that I focus on self-compassion really early in the program is I don't want this program to be another way that people feel bad about themselves. I'm trying to practice these principles. I don't do it very well. It's another thing to beat myself up about. Like there's no use in that. And we don't learn that way. We don't learn from a place of self-condemnation and shame. We learn from a place of openness and self-compassion can help us get there. The next one is, I call it no ordinary moments, but it basically means paying attention to the, to the moments in our lives, right? That's all our life is, is the series of moments. We tend to treat life as like, you know, we got to get through this to get to that, to get to that, to get, and, and once we do that long enough, that mindset is completely baked in so that even when we get to the place we thought we were aiming at, we're not even really there, right? So how do we start to become more present to the world around us? How do we actually practice that? Principle four is acceptance is one word you could use it uh, for it. We talk a lot about the serenity prayer that, you know, what having the wisdom to know what I can and can't change and putting my attention in the right way and just sort of stopping resisting everything that's happening in life. For a lot of us, if we pay attention to what's what our inner dialogue is like, there's a, a lot of I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I don't want to. And, you know, we're resisting our life so much. What happens if we drop some of that resistance? Mm. And this one sounds like it's similar to compassion, but I would say the major difference is it's almost outward facing towards, you know, your perspective on what you can and can't control externally from yourself. Yes. Yeah. Although there is a lot of inner resistance, right? There's a lot of inner resistance to how we feel. So ultimately, all these principles, I think, reflect each other and integrate with each other. And they're not truly separate. They are in a way, same way that like we talk about, you know, thought and emotion as two separate things. And and we can talk about them that way. And psychology has has sort of taught us to think that way. But but in my experience, they co-arise. You almost never have one without the other, right? There is almost always a a, a thought, thoughts happening and emotions happening, and they're sort of co-arising and co-creating and interacting. And that's kind of the way I might think about some of these principles. Got it. That was what, four? So we've got uh, three left. Yep. Five, I call the title for it is, we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are, right? That's that idea I was talking about earlier. We are always seeing the world through our conditioning. You know, all the things that have happened to us in our life, all the people we've interacted with, all that creates kind of who we are and creates the lens that we see the world through. It's almost impossible to turn that process off. I might argue that's what enlightenment is, but that's a topic for another time. But for most of us, we're not turning that process off. So can we realize it's happening and can we start to be more flexible in the perspectives that we take? Can we start to allow a little bit more room in to, you know, the judgments that we make, you know? And so that's that that's that principle. Another word for it is, can we have more perspective? 
mm-hmm. and different perspective on life. The next one is the middle way. You know, it's, it's really working on getting rid of all or nothing thinking that is problematic for us in so many different ways. So how do we find the right balance between many different things? We look at character ethics, things like courage. Courage is a middle place between being a coward and being an idiot, right? Like courage is a middle place. It's and all sort of, all sort of traits that we talk about virtues or sins or whatever words you want to use. I I don't love either of those words. They just came to my mind, but are at the extremes. So how do we find a middle place that, that really works for us? You know, how do we find the right balance between optimism and pessimism? Is the world a good place or is it a terrible place? Uh, I don't know. Right. But, but somewhere in between those two might allow us to live with more freedom. And then finally, the last principle is the practice of generosity. You know, how can we be more generous? How can we live with a more open heart? And some of this is doing more generous action, but some of it is also reconnecting back to the generosity we already have and we do. So if you're a parent, connecting back to the generosity and the love that you're giving to your children. And when we connect back to it, it gives the actions we're going through each day more meaning. So that's that living from an open heart place. Those are the principles. Perfect. So then obviously the other side of it is the behavioral science. And so what specifically about behavioral science? I mean, if we were to just go with, we've talked about habits on this show before. If we were just going to say, here's how you make the best habits. That's one thing. I think you're applying more than just how to, you know, wear the groove of a habit into existence, right? Yes, but I'm using principles that we very similarly that we would use to build a habit. Yes. And so when I give people a spiritual habit, there are, there are two types of them. One is what I would call formal practice. And it's where you take time away to sit down and meditate. Or maybe it's journaling and reflecting on questions of meaning. Or maybe for you, it's yoga. These are what I would call formal practice. We take time aside and we do those. And a lot of people struggle to to get that going consistently. Right? Meditation is one of those things you constantly hear people. And I was this way for years. Start, stop, start, stop. So one of the things we're working to do is to get people a foundational time, I like to call it sort of just a contemplative practice space into their life that they do consistently. So that is a habit we're trying to build in a very conventional sense of building a habit. From there, though, we have what I call on-the-spot practices. And on-the-spot practices just are things that you do as you go through your life. You don't take time aside necessarily to do them. You do them as you're going through your life. Now, this is the trickier part. Because what happens for a lot of us, even with the best of intentions, let's say we get up and we read a book that inspires us and we meditate for 20 minutes. We know what's important and the person kind of the kind of person we want to be that day. And then the day starts and we just get zipped away and don't think about any of those things until that night or maybe the next morning when we do it again. And so the on the spot practices are intended to try and counteract that. And what we're trying to counteract is what I think the biggest problem is with applying these ideas into your life, which is forgetting. We simply forget. We get busy. We're going. A situation happens. We react in the way we normally react because we forget. We forget that we have other choices. 
to go back to principle one, that's not being intentional about our attention. That's right. That's right. So the thing that that I've done in the program that I think makes it unique and special is we use the behavior science around triggers in ways to insert moments into our life. I like to call them still points that allow us to reconnect back to whatever we are working on, whatever principle we're trying to develop more of. So a still point could be, and we can use different triggers. You could use a time-based still point, right? You know, these little times during the day, I'm going to take one minute and reconnect. So time is a type of trigger. We can use location-based still points. Every time I go in the kitchen, I will, you know, reflect on my intention for the day so that I kind of reconnect back. Or every time I go into the kitchen, I will practice a minute of just being really present to what's around me. Every time I'm at a stoplight. So what we're trying to do is get these still points baked into your life. And then once they're there, we can drop anything we want into them. You can drop anything you want into them, but they're a way throughout your day of, you know, sort of reconnecting back. We use another type of trigger, which is random triggers, a random technological trigger, right? We'll use an app that just ding goes off. And when it goes off, it displays a little message on your phone. And that message just reminds you what principle we're working on, right? And we're trying to deal with forgetting. So that's the core. Hopefully what we're developing is the ability to have the most important type of trigger that we can possibly have, which is an emotional-based trigger. And we all have these. But we're generally not aware of them and they're generally not for good, right? When I get lonely, I eat. When I get bored, I get on Facebook. So, so we have them. They're just, we don't know we have them. So what we want to develop are emotional based triggers that say, when I get stressed, I will do X. When I find myself angry and wanting to snap at the kids, I will do why. So this is about developing an internal awareness. And this is hard to do. This is the hard work, but it's the work that becomes most valuable in really transforming who you are because it breaks us out of those habitual patterns of reaction. And when we are most stressed is the time we most revert to whatever our base habits are. I start to get a little bit stressed and I snap at my children. Unwinding that, that's to me the kind of thing that really matters and that really gets us back to what our values are. Now I'm being the kind of parent I really want to be. I'm not saying that snapping at your children is like a terrible thing. Everybody does it at some point, right? But we may do it. You know, I know I certainly work with people in the spiritual habits program where that's a big thing for them. You know, they're just like, I just am, I'm more angry towards my children than I would like to be because I'm just so stressed. So how do we start to unwind that? That gets us back to when we talk about spiritual meaning, connecting with what matters most to us, right? There you are connecting to what matters most to you, which is your value to be a good parent. And you're finding ways to do it and be a little bit more effective at it. So that's how we use behavior science. Perfect. And again, I think what we're talking about here is spiritual principles and behavioral science seem like they would be opposing. And somebody out there is thinking, spiritual is like lack of science or not scientific at all. <laughs> and behavioral science science is like, that's the science, which you know people have issues with these days anyway. And, and you're yep, trying to yep. put them together. What are you doing? But in fact, spiritual principles 
and practices for that matter are in a sense related. In other words, you know, I, I always think of habits and I think of, well, making habits out of the things that are spiritual principles that do the heavy lifting in your life when it's done brick by brick over time. Exactly. I mean, what what's the point of building habits or being productive, right? The point of all of it is to live what, you know, to us is a good or successful life. And so to me, it's sort of recognizing, okay, what does that mean to you? And, you know, these principles that I talked about may not resonate. You may hear them and just be like, eh, not interested, right? But for a lot of people, these are the ways they're trying to live this way. They believe these things. They just can't quite figure out, you know, how to, how to apply it more consistently in their life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, knowing that my life might be better if I was present into more moments of it and believing that it, knowing and believing that is kind of, I mean, it's nice, but it's kind of useless, right? It's the practice of it that actually matters, right? It's like, okay, I actually am now more present to the moments of my life. Okay. That's worth having. Yes, because again, that is, you know, just to, to go into a nutshell moment here, because we've talked about being present in past episodes of this show, that to me is part of being intentional about my attention, being aware of where I am, being in that moment versus somewhere else jumped through, you know, a black mirror screen in my palm of my hand. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, and, and I think people can get that. Like it, it, again, it's the, you even talked about it where I think it was funny. You actually said, you know, an external technological trigger in, in the form of a notification. And most people are like, oh no, notifications, they're bad when it comes to productivity. No, notifications are for notifying you of a thing. It's just when you have control over it, they can be good. And when you don't have control over it, or you've advocated control, even worse. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, sort of harkens back to the the discussion about religion earlier, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it could be good, could be bad, right? It has some of both. It's how does it apply in your life? Now, religion's a little bit different in that we know we've seen religion do things that are way more harmful to the human race than uh, notifications, right? So <laughs> I, I, I get we're talking about different levels of good and bad here. Yeah. So, but yeah. I, I, I'm just you know, back to that point of it's really about how do we use these things in our life? Yeah. And and the thing is, is I, I think what we talked about spiritual principle wise, as well as behavioral science wise so far, I think most people can agree that regardless, again, of your belief system in terms of a structured, organized religion, that's maybe a better way to put it. Organized religion is the like, Things that get us into trouble, but religion, reconnecting, like I was trying to illuminate people mm -hmm. on the, the word of, it's grounding yourself. It's it's increasing your self-awareness of yourself, your relation to yourself, your relation to others, your presence in the world. I don't think anybody would disagree that these are important and helpful practices and principles to either enhance our life or transform our life, for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think more and more people, if, if you look at surveys of people, more and more Americans identify as spiritual, but not religious. So there is some resonance with this term with more and more people. But like, like we said, I, I, I debate often, should I change the name of it? <laughs> like, am I turning off a certain percentage of people? 
But I mainly created it for the people that that term is already resonant with, right? It already has a resonance with some of those people. But believe me, we've had plenty of internal conversations about that title. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's always going to be something that triggers people in one way or the other. And and that's fine. We all have. I mean, again, it's a matter of perspective. We all are coming to everything in our lives with a predetermined bias and if we're not aware of that, well, good luck because you, you do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Everyone does. <laughs> so. what, what, yeah, uh, that's the principle on perspective, right? We all have biases. But the program is you know, really created for people who already buy into some of these ideas, mm-hmm. but they're not applying it. They're like, yeah, I, I, I believe these things. I know these things, but it's not actually changing my life. You know, I think it could if I lived more that way, but it's not. And so that's the program is designed for, for those people, not designed to convince anybody that any of these principles are the way you should live your life. You know, most people are already kind of bought into that first part of it. Yeah. And again, I think uh, like I was saying before, and I think I've said it a couple of times now, but I'm going to land here, regardless <laughs> of your organized religious belief system or lack thereof, these spiritual principles are definitely something that are beneficial regardless of where you come to them from. Yeah, I would 100% agree. I think it's a little bit like meditation. Meditation is it's being practiced, was pulled out of a specific religious tradition. Basically, I mean, you could argue it. Most people would say it came out of Buddhism. You might argue in some ways that some of it was present in Hinduism before that. But anyway, the point is we pulled a, a tool out of there that lots of people find useful, whether they are Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, none of the above, a a militant atheist, a humanist, whatever they are, they find, oh, this is a useful practice. This is a useful tool. So yeah, this program has nothing to do with your core religious or spiritual beliefs in, I would, I I would say more, the way I refer to them is more your metaphysical beliefs, right? Your metaphysical beliefs are about, is there a God? Is there not a God? Is there a life after death? Do people get reincarnated? Do, you know, all these sort of things, which I think are interesting questions, but not the sort of thing that my work orients around at all. Mm, yeah. I think that the best thing we can do then is point people towards where your program is, and we can link up to that in the show notes, but why don't you let people know where they can go find out about how to get more information about it and or getting on a waiting list as you're releasing this, etc. Yeah, if you go to spiritualhabits.net, you can get on the wait list there, or you can find us at oneufeed.net. And, you know, there's links there to the spiritual habits program. There's links to the behavior coaching. There's obviously the podcast. There are other goodies out there. So either way, spiritualhabits.net to get on the wait list or oneyoufeed.net to just know more about me and the podcast and all that stuff. Awesome. Eric, it's been great talking with you again. And again, open invitation. Come back whenever you feel like, man, I've got another great conversation in me to talk. uh, You know, Eric's talking productivity, I guess, is what we'll call it. So (laughs) thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you, Eric. I really appreciate you having me back on. I I always enjoy the conversation and I appreciate you being willing to sort of go in some slightly different directions with this, even though, as you said, they sort of all tie back to things you're already talking about. 
Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Eric Zimmer. I hope that you are walking away from this conversation having a little bit more of an insight into what a spiritual practice is, whether you're connecting that to a religious belief system or not. I know personally, I am trying to get more into meditation. I've had multiple conversations with people on this show before. In fact, there's another one I'm looking to have at some point here in the near future. And meditation is one of those things where I I get into it and I kind of fall off the wagon. But when I do it, I feel great about it. Just like dieting, just like exercise, just like every other possible beneficial habit of which these are part of that skill set, that toolkit, if you will. If you found this conversation helpful, I'd love if you would do me the favor of sharing this with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Hit that share button in the podcast player app of choice that you're listening to this in, or head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com and share from there. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.